Hello. Hi. <laughs> so, um, this is our first podcast officially of our 31 Nights of Halloween. Yes, welcome. Yeah. Um, so, just, I guess, a brief introduction of who we are and, I guess, what we're doing with this podcast <laughs> is, um, my name's Ryan. I'm Sam. And um, we were, you know, relatively tired of kind of just going off the general lists of 31 days of horror or whatever. And we kind of did that last year. And then, like, everybody, like, makes a list. Yeah, I think, especially if you're, like, super into Halloween like we are, you know, you want to kind of get in the holiday spirit. And and so what better way than to watch spooky movies? Um, But we realized fairly quickly that we had not seen a lot of movies (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so instead of like you know relying on a list that was pre-made that had you know maybe half of the movies we had seen before we thought it would be fun to come up with a list uh we each had 15 films that we hadn't seen so you know hypothetically sam has seen some of my films and they were horror themed or like yeah even fall theme arguably yeah one of them (laughs) yeah or just like horror adjacent yeah um and we also just wanted in this very brief introduction that's i guess turning not so brief uh to give a little bit of a disclaimer um so we are i guess i i mean i feel like i could say we're film enthusiasts we like to watch uh, movies we enjoy going to the movie theater um we like to consume media you know as regular people do yeah yeah movies are fun uh but that's pretty much where our expertise ends (laughs) yeah Uh, we are neither of us went to film school (laughs) yeah by no means are either of us uh you know expert film critics so no um take everything we say with a grain of salt it's literally two people watching a movie either for the first time or both of us for the first time um and if you're listening to this and you hear one of us say something and you're like that doesn't make any sense it probably doesn't yeah yeah that would be a fair a fair assessment also um Generally speaking, we're not going to avoid spoilers because we're assuming that if you're watching a podcast about a film, yeah, (laughs) yeah, listening, if we're assuming if you're listening to a podcast about a film, you probably have already seen it. Um, So we're not going to kind of go out of our way to be careful about spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, free or friendly. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. We're going to give it to you. We're, we're, we're giving you our unabashed, um, unbri- unbridled opinions, whether you want them or not. So, take it. Um, but... <laughs> that, that sounded... Um, so, yeah, well, um, yeah, so I guess, like, my background, I'm... I, like, did theater in college. I don't know if that makes me any my opinion any more valid about films. Yeah, if you're any more or less equipped. Um, but yeah, but I, I do kind of like thinking about like maybe the the actor's perspective or maybe like I, I notice that what I'll do is I'll I always like notice like all the all the like oh like they had to like, you know, handle all this all these props like or like they had to spend them like I just I don't know. 
Yeah, and like the makeup like, and about, stuff. Yeah, the makeup and hair, like the technical things. Yeah, too. That's what I tend to like focus on a little bit. Well, and you know, I know that in your undergrad you took acting for the screen, oh, um, yeah. so that you know it's not just it's, stage acting is not the only um, area of theater that you were exploring. You know, there was yeah. film in there. Yeah. And then analysis class or two. Yeah. yeah. And then as for me, I studied English and contextually film sometimes can be analyzed uh, in the same way that you would perhaps look at a novel. So um, it's fun to look at different tropes and themes and and, um, symbols and, you know, yeah, I feel like you're really good at breaking down, like, the concepts and, um, like, kind of, like, drawing a line from one thing to another and just being like, this means this and this means this and stuff like that. Yeah, but sometimes I'm, like, like way stuff. left field, like, and then I'll look it up and they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so again, leaning back into, um, we're by no means experts, but we're, that's our unique perspective of how we approach film is, you know, from... Our backgrounds. We're just two average queer, homo- queer homosexuals <laughs> that um, watch movies. Yeah, as gays do. As the gays, the gays do watch a lot of movies. So yeah, without further ado, we'll hop into our first film of our thirty-one nights of horror, which was American Psycho. Oh, and to preface, like, we uh, randomly drew all these from a bowl, so there's no particular order. We just, like, made our list, cut out the the movie names, and threw them in a bowl, and we're just drawing them at random. Yeah, yeah. And um, Sam had seen American Psycho prior to this. Yeah, this was one of your, this was on your list. This was on my list, yeah. Arguably, maybe not a horror film. I think, um, you know... Yeah, you can really argue either way, I think. Psychological thriller. Um, But we do have a little bit of specs on uh, American Psycho. Uh, American Psycho was uh, released in 2000. It's rated R. Um, You can't see it, but he has copious notes. (laughs) I wanted to make sure we didn't sound... uh, I mean, I know we're doing (laughs) dumb reviews, but we're... Don't worry, I've got that covered. Um, the screenplay was by uh, Mary Heron and Guinevere Turner. It stars Christian Bale, Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon, William Defoe, Chloe Sauvignon, amongst others. This is a great cocktail of cast members. Yeah, it's and it's it seems like it's kind of um, before any of them are really fully, um, you know, they're yeah, not before they got big. Yeah, they're not um, at their the heightened career that they have right now. Uh, I think this is one of Christian Bale's like first big ones, um, was my understanding. Yeah, yeah, I remember looking it up, and he was twenty six when he filmed this. Yeah, so um, I did it's early on. Yeah, I did kind of bounce around a couple different um, YouTube reviews uh, after we watched the film because it is this one. You know, there are a handful of films on our list that are are a little bit less. Um, they have less depth Meat. to them. Yeah, this is one not one of those. This one had a lot of uh, head scratching moments, I think, and it it asked a lot from the viewer. So, I knowing that Sam had seen it, uh, there were a handful of times, kind of during the film, that I would pause it and be like, "Is this this and this?" And he was like, "Well, we'll just just keep watching." And then <laughs> at the end, I kind of posed my theory, and he was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I read it this way." 
And I think it is one of those films that once you like sit on it for a while, you it you kind of start picking it apart a little bit. It's not something that like right off yeah. the bat you you can just immediately jump into being like, oh, this meant this, this meant this, yeah. that meant that, you know? Yeah, and with this film, like, there's so much like, like, action happening. There's so much like, there's a lot of gore and a lot of um, like. Uh, violence in yeah. it and a lot of just like men being creepy so like on top of that you're also there's like just so much to dissect so it, it, it I feel like you could argue that it's a movie well if you want to watch it more than once that you you would get more each time you watch it yeah I would definitely <clears throat> be open to the idea of watching it again I don't think it was so off-putting in the sense I mean it is very gory don't get me wrong there yeah. is a lot of um, carnage but Stabbing. yeah, but um, it wasn't so off-putting that I wouldn't be interested in seeing it again. I definitely think like what you're saying, where you you know going back and looking back into it, especially knowing kind of the out like an overview of what the film is about. Because that's the other thing I didn't know anything about this film other than like <laughs> on TikTok people you know saying. If you meet a guy and he says his favorite movie is American Psycho, turn the other way because yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, if he relates to what's the main character? Norman Patrick. Patrick Bates. Yeah, Bateman. that's and that's oh Bateman. Oh well, that's an allusion to Psycho. Psycho yeah. yeah. Um, but I also think you know there was there were elements that watching it the second time around that you knew about or you found out about this film the second time. Yeah, like from watching it, and then I think the first time I watched it, I I just like did like a little like internet dive and just like yeah did a little bit of research on it. But I feel like you said maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like you said that you weren't aware that a woman directed this film. Yeah, yeah, I either forgot, I must have forgotten because I I feel like I would have remembered that, but it was also a long time ago. Anyway, who cares? Uh, so yeah, I I wasn't aware that a woman directed it and I think like that's that's such a cool like thing about the movie especially a movie with this sort of content to have it be seen through through a woman's like yeah that lens like I think that's what kind of like I feel like if a man did it it wouldn't have um aged as well maybe or yeah is it timeless? I don't know. You know, and so that's 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 something that I thought was really interesting when I was looking up different reviews about it on YouTube is there were there was a, a video that I saw, I can't remember I think it was I can't remember the handle of the, the video that I was watching, but it was listing facts that you wouldn't anticipate about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was the budget on this film was outrageous, but not because of the talent, but because they had to get copyright for all of these Uh, Because, you know, Patrick Bateman is constantly listening to music, pop culture, yeah. So it was was a really high-budget film, but not for the talent in the film. It was pretty much exclusively for the copyright content, which was, I thought, really interesting. I wonder if those songs were, like, name-dropped in the books. They are. Oh, so it was being faithful to the books. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's what they were saying, is that they had issues with a lot of, uh, like, I don't know if you remember in the scene where he has the three the threesome with the two prostitutes, and um, in the middle of the night, she wakes, she kind of moves, and he goes, don't touch the watch, 
Yeah. They had to re- rewrite that line from the book, and it's supposed to be Don't Touch the Rolex, but Rolex didn't want their name associated with uh. the film. But um, speaking on what you were saying about uh, the, the female lens from the directing perspective, uh, apparently she was like not willing to budge. I, I, I guess the... the um, Oh, the words are lo- I'm losing words now. The okay. company, the the production, yeah, the production company, like the the studio that releases the film, uh-huh. wanted um, Leonardo DiCaprio to play um, Patrick Bateman, Patrick and like didn't want to budge. Um, but Mary Heron, the director, was like, "I need Christian Bale to be the main character of okay. this film." Yeah, yeah, and she like was unwilling to budge, and it got to the point where at one point they were like, "Okay, well, we're not going to be working with you then." And they actually called in a man, and he temporarily had stepped in and was like organizing everything. And they, uh-huh. he wanted to um, redirect the film um, from a satirical standpoint to more of more focusing on um, Patrick Bateman's psychosis. Yeah, and I rolled my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, I just found that to be so interesting because it really would not be the film. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read the novel, but yeah, yeah, me either. Maybe we should have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, add more to but our plate. It's, yeah. it's interesting that she wanted to take it from the perspective of like satire, as if like this is it's like kind of a showcasing of what like women deal with with like men who are like are uh power hungry and have a lot of money have a lot of resources and can get away with literally murder and like he wanted the male whoever the dude was wanted it wanted to like dot like see what makes him tick and, yeah like, <laughs> almost to the, make him like human yeah you know? and sympathize a little bit more yeah. which i think unfortunately even with the more satirical uh direction it it seems like some men still. <laughs> oh, they don't pick up on that. Oh yeah, yeah they don't pick on the, up on the satire, <laughs> and they still uh, try to offer a lot of sympathy for Patrick Bateman. Yeah, yeah. Even though he literally calls himself a monster that's empty inside. Yeah. Um, and then that was another really interesting thing that I kept on seeing about YouTube reviews on it, um, and I watched a. I think one or two videos with um, our clips of the director and there was a big fascination that people had with like was the ending the ending like was it real or was it all in his head and uh, both the director Mary Heron and um, the novelist who who wrote American Psycho his name is Brett um, Easton Ellis, Ellis. yeah, yeah. Um, both of them kind of came forward and said in interviews when people, when, you know, journalists were asking them, like, what do you, was it real? Was it fake? Was it all in his head? Mm-hmm. Um, both of them were like, that's not the point at all. And mm-hmm. we didn't want people toying around with what it meant at the end, if it was real, if it was fake, or if, you know, they, that, that was so far removed from the point. They were like, yeah. we wanted it more to be on... Patrick Bateman being kind of like thrusted into this world and a part of this world of of um, commodification and you know um, mm. material things. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. It's like if they like wanted to drive home a message, they would have ended 
like they they had complete control of how it yeah. ended. So like that's yeah. obviously the ending doesn't you know. Yeah, but I, I guess it's just a knee jerk. It's our our inclination and want to like have closure on it. And so I yeah. sympathize with the with the question because I even turned to you and asked you at the end yeah. when I <laughs> yeah. finished. I was like, so wait, is it this, this, and this? I think I, what I... Oh, no, go ahead. No, no. Well, I think I, what, I, what I wanted it to be was when Patrick Bateman turned... He, so he, at one point, he calls his lawyer after he goes on this oh, big yeah. killing spree. He confesses everything, and then it doesn't get caught, uh, manages to elude or murder cops and security guards left and right and then ends up back with his friends or his colleagues um in a very swanky like men's uh you know cigars scotch yeah uh kind of like a lounge area and he sees his lawyer who he called and he walks up to him and he goes hey um you never called me back and he kind of just goes on this huge regalia of everything i said was true and his his lawyer is like that's so funny. The the Patrick... Ba- no, he calls him a different name. Oh, yeah. He thinks he's someone else. Yeah. And he's like, he could never do that. And he... And then Christian Bale's character gets very serious. And he's like, I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the lawyer just completely discredits him. Can we talk about the lawyer's, like, reaction? Because, it, like, I had a... I, like... I think it's weird. Because, like... Like, when... when Patrick Bateman is, like, trying harder to convince him. It's almost as if his lawyer, like, gets mad at him. Yeah. Like, he's getting annoyed. Like, I can tell if he's getting annoyed or, like, I don't know. Well, so, that, but that's, that's yeah, yeah. So, I, I, or I read that as, you know, the status quo trying to be, trying to maintain itself and, like, them protecting from oh, themselves within. And he's, but, like, pushing against it. Yeah, yeah, that he's, um you know, trying to disrupt. Yeah. But the lawyer's like, no, we don't have any of that here. Yeah. But you kind of, I guess, you know, both of our theories kind of jive together now that I think about it. Because you were saying the more, I read it more as misidentification because they all are collectively the same person while being different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Are you saying, like, when, like, why he, um... Miss, what's what misnamed him? Yeah, uh, mis- misidentified. Mis- misidentified him. Yeah. yeah, and and that seems like it's kind of a common theme too. Is that in this world of very like material wealth and stuff, and they're all they all have similar haircuts, yeah. similar um, glasses, and it's even kind of comical that they're like comparing. Uh, cards uh uh, business cards they all look exactly the same yeah and but they're sitting there and they're reading them down yeah and they're like front facing font you know this that and the other but oh yeah but to like the lay person we would not be able to differentiate those business cards whatsoever yeah and i think that's it's part of it you know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it almost to me feels like the director like poking fun i mean that's what this whole movie kind of feels like but I guess it just adds to her poking fun about how all these men are, like, essentially the same person. And, like, it goes to the, so far as to, like, people would have, like, conversations with them, like, full-on conversations and think they're completely someone else. Different and, people, yeah. And, yeah. Um, Which, you know, I think that's that's what I was getting at with, like, the status quo maintaining itself is that 
when there is an outlier or or you think about the um what's the uh oh Reese, Reese Witherspoon plays Christian Bale's uh fiance or girlfriend yeah. and her best friend fiance yeah, Christian Bale's character, or Patrick Bateman, is having an affair with her best friend. So his fiance's best friend. Yeah. And she's engaged to this guy that they keep referring to as, like, a dunce, um, who ends up being gay. So these outliers are in, like, stark... They stick out like a sore thumb. And yeah. so that's kind of the thing, too, is it's, like, when, when Patrick Bateman tries to to go against the grain and be like I'm different I'm murdering people I'm indulging in these like hedonistic tendencies I'm raping killing murdering grotesquely you know just in these awful awful ways everyone around him because he tries to confess multiple times Mm -hmm. he says things out loud to different people they just ignore him yeah it's interesting too because it makes me think that like his like privilege and power is also like a prison yeah yeah. yeah, which you know, I I feel like both of us say that all with a grain of salt because poor white man, <laughs> you know, poor little like, white man. Yeah, like oh, he wants to murder people and then you know confess about it, and they mm. still won't take him seriously. Nobody listens to him. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's <laughs> it's like it is very much a prison to some capacity, but you know, I don't think that garners There's, him any sympathy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, but they, they, they do show him cracking, like, under the, the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, like... And that was interesting to me, too, because although he describes himself as an empty psychopath, like, he does have a couple breakdowns. Yeah. And I was like, would a psychopath react like that? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think that also could be part of... The neurosis. Neurosis? No. Narcissism. Uh, narcissism. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, it could be part of the narcissism where he fancies himself to be a psychopath, but it's like, oh, maybe you're just a, you're just a, a, a raging narcissist. Person, yeah. yeah. No, I'm fucking crazy. Oh, should I say that for? I guess we, we flagged it explicit <laughs> content. Well, I mean, we're talking about gore too, so it's like oh, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um. um yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> but I did. It did find it. And I, so another thing I wanted to note that I found really interesting about this film is that the screenplay was also by Mary Heron, the director, and Guinevere Turner, who played Elizabeth, the redhead, the one who, when he's getting his sheets washed at that, um, oh yeah, yeah, the laundry mat, and she walks in. She wants to do a lunch date. Yeah. Um. And the fact that it was both written and directed by women, I think is, you know, there's a lot of things that I think people want to write off and say, oh, it's just, you don't want to, you shouldn't read that much into it. But I think that there were a lot of things in this film that were slight but intentional because they Mm -hmm. were written and directed by women. Also, fun fact on that is, so apparently uh, Guinevere Turner is a lesbian, and in that scene where he's going to have another threesome with her and then that other that prostitute, and she the it's just it was on one of the YouTube videos. But I guess she she looks at him and he's like, "Aren't don't you want to make out with her? Isn't she beautiful?" And she's like, "I'm not a lesbian." Oh, uh, in that book, <laughs> she's a lesbian. No, in real life, one oh, of the, the actress, the actress oh, is a lesbian. Okay. So it's funny that she wrote oh. that into <laughs> the script. You know, yeah. um, that's silly. 
But yeah, um, and then some of the other interesting facts that I thought were kind of cool were, uh, you know, among what we were talking about earlier with, like, difficulty with branding. Apparently, like, um, I think his suits are Givenchy, but they specified he cannot be wearing one when he's murdering someone. Um, <gasps> That's why they did the raincoat. Yeah, and oh, then... Um, so clever. Yeah, there's... there. It fits with his character. Oh, that's so smart. I feel... I can't remember who... I think the, the body bag that he used that was a coat... coat uh, an overnight coat bag. Oh, yeah, where the guy was, compliments it. Yeah, it's yeah. Comme de Garçon. Uh, Comme de Garçon. I think it was supposed to be another brand that pulled at the last second because they didn't want to be associated mm. with the film. Whitney Houston wouldn't let her music be in the film because she didn't want her name associated with it when... when um, That's always so interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's like the companies that do say yes, are they like, yes, we're fine with being associated with murder or like they, they're just like, they just want to get their name out. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's. Yeah. There's a lot of Corona in there. I mean, the the beer. No, was it Corona beer? What beer was there? Like it kept popping up all throughout the movie. Mm, I think it was I don't Corona. Remember. I think it was Corona. Maybe yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a really interesting film. I think um, it's. I'm definitely glad that I included it on the list. Again, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. if it's a horror film, per se, but. Um, you know, I think you can argue either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you, well, for, well, well, would you recommend this movie to other people? Oh, um, you know, I, I would, but to only a certain degree, I wouldn't be like, look, you gotta watch this movie. (laughs) But if, if somebody's looking for like, maybe, you know, like kind of how we were like looking for, like a, a female directed um, yeah. thriller or horror movie, I would recommend it. Or if somebody was looking for like some, if they wanted like this is a super eighties movie. Sometimes you're just in the mood for an eighties movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say like I would recommend it, but like only in specific situations. I wouldn't I would blanket recommend it to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I would too. I think I well, a very specific kind of moviegoer. Like yeah. I, if you're not into gore, if you're not into suspense, there are moments of like sheer terror, but again, I wouldn't say it's like a horror film. It's more of a suspense thriller, mm-hmm. I guess. Psychological. Yeah. Thriller. Yeah, and if you're wanting to uh I would only recommend it to women really cuz <laughs> I don't know if I'd want uh, you know, any any uh, heterosexual man running around thinking <laughs> that they're the next Patrick Bateman. We're, we're going to make a lot of sweeping general generalizations about straight heterosexual men. Yeah, cis men. Yeah, so for sure. I can't wait for that. Yeah. If, if that's what you are, if you're in that demographic, apologies in advance. We're probably not I, talking about no you. No apologies in advance. <laughs> we're probably not talking about you. We might be talking about you. It's hard to say. You specifically. Um, but yeah, I generally thought this was a very good movie. Wait, would you recommend it? Yeah, so yeah, 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 I would. To everybody? I, not to everybody. I think, A, it in would general. have to be, uh, if you're in, if you're not into gore, if gore freaks you out, this is not the movie for you. There's there's a lot of gore. Lots of blood. And though it doesn't, but I realized it's not like a Saw-esque type movie where you're no. seeing things get like cut off and dismembered. You're just seeing smatters of blood. There's lots of blood everywhere. It's violence. Violence. I mean, yeah. It's violence more so than gore. Rather than gore. Yeah. Saw gore. yeah. 
but yeah, if and then I'd also recommend it to anybody who um, wants to see a satirical representation of you know um, the patriarchy and uh, <laughs> white fragility and or not white fragility, white privilege. I guess would be more of. I mean, there's maybe white some fragility, privilege, in male there. privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, class privilege. Yeah. He's really loaded. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, on a scale of one to, should we do five or ten? Um, we, can, we can do ten. Let's do scale of one to ten. Let's do ten. Uh, what, what would you give it on a scale of one to ten? Um, I would, oh, I didn't, I should have thought about this beforehand. I'm gonna have to think about this one. I can. I'll give you some time. I'll. I'll. I'll I can talk for a little bit. I would give it an eight, which is very mm-hmm. high. I get. I, I. I understand, but I think I give it an eight because it really does feel like. I mean, it's been what twenty years? Yeah, twenty years since its release, yeah, and it wow. still has a lot of staying power. You know, it. Yeah. It, if it were the nineties, this movie would have come out in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> spiral <laughs> no yeah i think uh you know just for the fact that it it it's uh kind of maintained its integrity and it's still a film that's really interesting to to watch and yeah. holds a lot of validity still which is unfortunate but you know it was very well done and i think it's held itself mm-hmm. yeah so therefore i give it an eight eight um <laughs> I'm gonna copy you. <laughs> give it. Wow. <laughs> I yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. No, you know what? Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Also. Yeah, I yeah I I really enjoyed it. It's like, it's um. I think it's. I don't know what I think. I'm just gonna give it an eight and not give you mm, mystery. <laughs> Well, I think that kind of wraps up our um, analysis of American Psycho. Um, yeah. Was it coherent, what we said just now? Would you no. say our analysis was psychotic? I think it was It was it's certainly narcissistic. Who are we, oh. white men, to think that anybody cares what we say? Yeah, fuck us. <laughs> fuck white gays. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps up where, where we're coming from. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for our next episode where we will be reviewing A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Hello. <laughs>